Hey there, you're listening to the Not So Breakfast Show with Sasha Endish. Alright, welcome to the Not So Breakfast Show today and this is the one about not giving up. How do we find that drive, motivation and perseverance to keep on trucking? Plus, I must admit, the sound quality is a little bit weird this week because Sasha is recording without a proper microphone and sounds a little bit like God. Let there be light. <laughs> and then there was this. But no problem, because I've just shat in your office. Which I'm pretty sure would be a problem. But anyway, that's the show. Let's get it. Welcome to Not So Breakfast Show today, and this is the one about not giving up. What does it take to stay resilient, push through, and achieve your goals, dreams, whatever it is you want to achieve? We're going to be talking about that. And to help me talk about that topic today, we've got Sasha, and Sasha's coming from Christchurch in what, like a wind tunnel? Is that where you are? It sounds like a tin pan, <laughs> doesn't it? And in terms of not giving up, this is me not giving up because Ash is like, oh, I can't hear you. The sound quality is terrible. And I'm like, no, if I just put my mouth on my laptop close to the microphone, then it's going to work. But what that also does is it makes my forehead go right up close to the camera. So Ish has the most horrendous view of my smile and worry lines, but I refuse to give up. Yes, that's right. You lean in. Well, <laughs> literally, <laughs> you literally lean in. But we are going to talk about not giving up today because I think often sometimes we come up with a great idea. We might even put a plan together and then we just we execute it and either something goes wrong or we get some feedback that we didn't like and we just stop. But we know through history, through examples, through friends, through businesses that a lot of businesses and success and all that stuff didn't happen the very first time. There was a certain amount of push, a certain amount of times they got knocked back. I mean, Rocky got rejected all those times. How do we kind of build our resilience and take those knocks, Sash? Well, I think it's a great question. And I kind of want to start when we talk about not giving up, actually just by recognizing that in some respects, not pursuing things with the appropriate focus and intensity is a form of giving up. Because I think lots of us say to ourselves, well, I'm not a quitter. I don't give up. But in actual fact, we have ideas that we don't carry through or we don't push through on. And we don't think of that as giving up. We just go, oh, yeah, we didn't, we didn't really pursue it. But not pursuing something is the same as giving up. Mm. And I think it's really okay to give up. I'm a big fan of quitting, a big fan of quitting. But I want us to be quitting because we are doing it deliberately, not just because we've got an idea, we play around with it, and we never kind of really give it the attention it deserves. Let's be deliberate about quitting and then deliberate about not quitting and about persevering and continuing to try. Yeah, that's great. Because I think sometimes the that feeling where maybe you get some feedback initially on an idea or you launch something and it, and it has a bit of a fail, you take that as the universe's way of just telling you it was a bad idea. 
and it feeds into those kind of parts of ourselves that feel nervous or feel scared or maybe say oh maybe it wasn't a good idea but sometimes it's timing sometimes it's just the wrong person or the or it just needed to be tweaked a couple of times and then it was it, it was ready to go so how do you even recognize when it is a great idea and you have decided to double down and you are passionate about it one of the things that sticks in my mind is this idea of it's a really horrible teenage expression that's like, says you, <laughs> says you. Yeah. So when when you're expressing an idea to somebody and they say, oh, well, you know, I don't think that's got legs, says you. <laughs> and, and I think one of the things to recognize is that if we're looking at developing a service or creating a product and we're thinking about who the potential market is, for most of our products that or services that any of us come up with, there are literally millions of potential clients. And how logically stupid would it be to give up because the first 10 people that you tried to sell it to said no. Mm. And that's, that's a ridiculous number that you say, well, at 10 no's I'm out because there's, there's nothing in this, when there are millions of people who might benefit from the thing that you're doing. So I think one of the first ways that we, and I don't really want to call it building resilience, because on the one hand, we need to be able to persevere through hard situations, but I want to completely reframe whether it's a hard situation that one person said they don't want to buy your thing. Yeah, good point. That's not a hard situation that we need. Oh, I need resilience because they hurt my feelings. You go, there's millions of people. You've just asked the wrong ones. So why don't we reframe our expectations to say, well, once I've asked a thousand people to buy my product and they say no, mm. maybe that's time to reshape my product because that's some, that's some weighty feedback that maybe there's nothing in this idea. But if you're going to say, oh, you need to be resilient because 10 people said no, that's dumb. I think we should save our resilience for things that are hard, you know, life events that shock us and that that you know, rip us from our safety, not just because we've come up a service that no one's buying right now. Do you think do you think that difference is helpful? Yeah, I think that is helpful. If we kind of put it into maybe the situation where you're applying for a job, just because one job turns you down, you don't put your hands up and go, Well, I guess working's not for me. You know, we, we get out there Jobs aren't my thing. Not my thing. You know, we, we get out there, we find someone that wants us and 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 then we make it work. So so I think sometimes maybe even weighing up the category of what we're trying to do or achieve is useful. So maybe if you have got an idea and you're wanting to test it and think, have I got an idea or have I not got an idea? And you go to someone and you ask them, I would be very calculated in who you are asking and why you are asking them. Because if you just go up to someone who's successful in business who just says, oh, you know, it's been tried a million times, don't bother doing that. And yet we know that there's a whole lot of ideas out there that have been tried a million times and failed, but you were the one that just made it work. So I think one is really understand who you are asking and why you're asking them. And then two, if you are at the stage where you are starting to launch and you're getting some no's, it's a bit like sales. You you're not going to be able to sell it to everybody, but you don't need to sell it to everybody. You need to sell it to the right person and you need to have the right number of people invest in this idea or invest in this product. And it won't be for everybody and that's okay. 
we're talking about is, is sales. You know, we're presuming that this idea of not giving up is because you've got an idea or you've got a product and you're trying to get it out into the marketplace. And, you know, we all know people who gave up too soon that they didn't persevere. And there's that classic cartoon of the guy that's trying to rob the bank by tunneling in, and you see that he gets right up to the wall, and then he goes, ah, too hard, (laughs) and exits the tunnel. Whereas if he just kept digging for one more day, boom. I mean, I'm I'm not condoning (laughs) theft, guys. I'm I'm not saying, hey, don't give up when you're breaking into the bank. But I think what sometimes happens is... When we're asking people for advice, we're asking them the wrong questions and that's giving us the wrong feedback. So what we tend to do when we have a new thing is we say, uh, hey, Ish, I want your feedback on this. Here's my new thing. I'm really good at doing this new thing. I've worked really hard on it and I really think um, it's going to help the world. What do you think? And I think that's a terrible pitch. Because what your focus has been on is how hard you've worked, how good you are. Mm. You think it's a great idea. What we've got to be doing when we're pitching or getting feedback on ideas, we've got to start by identifying what's the pain or what's the problem that your product or service solves. What's the solution? So you want to be saying to Ish, hey, Ish, let me check in with you. Have you ever struggled with blah, blah, blah? So what's the pain because I think I've come up with something that could fix that and if your goal is to improve this then I think I can help you get there that's a pitch that's worth talking about because you're talking about that customer's pain Mm. and you're getting a solution for them and you might find that you get completely different feedback when you ask about your product and service in that way. So part of the reason that we get lots of no's is because we're not very good at explaining or we're just talking about the product and service. And so then we go off to listen to a podcast like this, how to not give up. And I'm kind of like, yeah, don't give up, but also don't be doing a resilience course because a few people said no to you. And also the reason they're saying no is because you're asking them the wrong questions. So you're talking about the way that you frame up your questions, your expectations is is going to be really important. Uh, And I really like that as a concept because I think too often we just look at it as yes and no's and we just look at it as as black and white. Uh, And and sometimes maybe even framing up what you're actually doing in your own mind might be helpful. So you might go, I've got this idea, I've got my pitch, I'm going to go out and I'm going to talk to 10 people. And then I'm going to... If I haven't had any success with those 10, I'm going to stop and I'm going to look at what I'm doing because it may not be the thing, the product that's wrong. It might be the messaging and the way I'm approaching it that could be incorrect. So you do the the, the sort of the line in the sand because as we know, definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Well, that and having hairy palms, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so... But those little stop and checkpoints might be useful because it could be that, yes, when you've done the thousandth one, someone suddenly says yes. But if you'd stopped and you looked at it and you'd reassessed it, it might have been that the 15th one would have said yes if you had a better approach. And that could be useful for someone listening. A cool thing happened in our family this week. And Portia got to go to a leadership training with the New Zealand Olympic people thing. Go Porsche. They've got a, um, 
a leadership program that they do for primary school kids and they are now trialing it in secondary schools. And she got to speak to this guy, Richie Patterson, who's a New Zealand weightlifter. So he's achieved uh, silver at Commonwealth Games. He's won a gold medal at the Commonwealth Games and he kind of shared about his journey. And the fascinating thing for me around this this idea of not giving up and resilience. And it's really, you know, we've talked about it as a family a couple of nights this week. It's kind of stuck with us, this idea, is that he had a very long-term goal, and that was to win Commonwealth Games gold medal. Mm. And so every step along the way that was not that did not seem like a failure to him because it was just a step towards his ultimate goal. Right. So the first Commonwealth Games he went to, I don't know if he got a silver medal at that one or if it was the second one he got a silver, but at each of those times, even though other athletes may have been disappointed because they hadn't achieved what they had expected, he always knew that the longer-term goal, further away, was the gold medal. So every step along the way was just part of the process. So, I mean, and how that's played out for us is uh, our son Tiger has just played at a New Zealand golf uh, championship and he was delighted to be in the field. He's done really well to do that. And his goal was to make the cut. So there's like 150 players, they play two rounds, only 70 players get to play the round three and round four. So his goal was to make the cut and then he makes the cut so we're all, you know, delighted. He's delighted. And then it's like he's got to set a new goal. And that's the thing where you go, oh, he didn't win the tournament. He was never going to win the tournament. He didn't come in the top 10. He didn't come in the top 20. He's coming away from that tournament absolutely on fire mm. because this is part of a long-term goal. So he doesn't even need resilience. How do you deal with not getting in the top 20? He's like... I made the cut. That's incredible. <laughs> and so two people can have the same result. And how they view it is vastly different. Because is this just one step on the way to a bigger goal? Or are you treating all of the little steps as being total wins or total failures? I'm not sure I'm explaining myself really well. But what this guy, Richie Patterson, the weightlifter did, you know, if he dropped a weight and it wasn't his personal best, he's like, that's not a failure. That's just learning. I'm just learning more about my performance under pressure because ultimately I'm going to go to those Commonwealth Games and I'm going to win. We'll be right back. Do you spend too much time planning out and then freaking out about your upcoming presentations? Then the 30-minute presenter program is for you. With our audio-based training program, you can literally learn the art of presenting while walking, driving, or even in the bath. Imagine Sasha and I right there with you. Well, not in the bath, but in your ears, unpacking our 40 years of combined experience in this impactful upskill. Learn to craft messages that matter, engage an audience, and overcome those nerves. So join the 30-minute presenter program. The link is in the show notes. Get started today. Yeah. And he did. Wow. Yeah, that's so cool. I love I do I love that perspective stuff and how people can view things different. The classic cliche example of Edison inventing the light bulb and failing nine hundred and ninety-nine times and he goes, 
I haven't failed 999 times. I've just figured out 999 times how not to make a light bulb. And then, you know, he invents it. Now, I'm sure within that there was a series of, this is bullshit. <laughs> what the hell? And his mates are coming in going, you're crazy. This is never going to happen. You are just not even in the right direction. You're nuts. But something about someone who really does frame things differently is so important. But I think early on, if we're going into stuff with a different perspective, that is so helpful because I I do look at athletes and I watch what they do and I do hear people's stories and I hear stuff like the person who writes the book and gets rejected all of those times. And I kind of sometimes go, I think I would have given up, (laughs) you know? And I think I probably would have quit. And maybe that was okay, but maybe if I'd stuck with it, it would have got there. To be fair, I probably wouldn't have written Harry Potter in the first place. (laughs) I have written a bit before, Sash, but you know, they're very, 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 very short books. They're smaller (laughs) books. They're smaller books, less words. But it's interesting because it's about what meaning you attach to the thing that happened. Yeah. So when when Richie Patterson didn't get a particular weight, he goes, oh, I've learned from that, and I'm on my way to my gold medal. Yeah. My son Tiger makes the cut and goes, oh, I've learned from the next two rounds. Look at Yeah. Totally different way of processing that feedback. I don't know if Edison was a Christian, but I like to imagine that he was a Christian, right? And that every time he has a go at the light bulb, before he flicks the switch, he goes, let there be light. <laughs> and then it's just nothing. And probably on about like the 600th time, there's an audible voice from the heavens. It's like going, get your own lines. That's me. I was the one that said, let there be light. <laughs> Find another way to create it, buddy. But can you imagine on that 1,000th time when he flicks the switch and the bulb goes? Mm. I mean, just imagine that day. And do we think it was worth it? Do we think the perseverance was worth it? Hell yeah, we do. Yeah. <laughs> what did, you know how they're in cartoons, how they draw a little light bulb of above someone's head when they have an idea. What did they draw before the light bulb? In the old cartoon days. In the old cartoon days. You want to represent. They probably just had to write idea in a little wee bubble, maybe. Well, that's where that whole word eureka comes from. Oh, yeah. Tell us about that. Well, I don't know enough about it, but I know something like in ancient times, somebody struck gold or precious metal somewhere near eureka. I don't know. We're probably going to have to edit this because this sounds completely untrue. But it's something like that. Where they're yeah. like, oh, Eureka. <laughs> Brilliant. So what do you do when it is getting hard? Because yeah. you're getting yeah. knocked back after knocked back. There are times where you go, I've, I know that this is just learning but it's getting hard now because I feel like I'm coming to the end of my ability to persevere. And so I think the things that are most helpful in that um, instance is actually to pull back from the specifics of what you're doing and come back to the purpose Mm. and say, what's the purpose of your service or what's the purpose of your product or why are you doing this in the first place? And if your only reason for doing it is because you want to, you know, make a buck. If your family is really hungry, good, strong motivator. But if it's like the financial reward would be nice, but it's the only thing and you don't really need it, Mm. then it's not going to be enough to enable you to push through those barriers. So I think it's really useful to always come back and to say, who is this about? And if it's just about yourself, 
then good if you are proving something to a teacher who shat on you when you were a kid or if you're proving to your dad that you're not as useless as he said he was or you know you could just get therapy for that as well. That's an, yeah, that's another way of doing it. I must but, admit, I just can't get the shit on you when you were a kid. Can you imagine if that was literally a teacher just at your school? Maybe I just find that funny. Okay. One of my author friends that I follow on Twitter has just gone viral, like 100,000 viral, because in their work setup, uh, she sent a text to a workmate and it said, uh, you know, Johnny's just got gone down with COVID, but no problem because I've just shat in your office. And she, she meant I've just sat in your office or I'm shut in your office or something. And she basically said, Yeah, I've just shut my I've just shut myself in your office. <laughs> so yeah, e- easy mistake to make. Had to Had to then follow it up with a really good sales pitch at that point for your product. What a way to go yeah. viral. But the point is, there is a point. That if your product or service is doing good for others, then that can be your motivation to continue and your reason for persevering and your possibility of having resilience. So many of the amazing feats that people achieve are because they're doing a charity run Mm. or they are walking the length of New Zealand to raise money for a particular treatment or cure and it's because they are being propelled and driven by something that is stronger than just a selfish desire. So I think it's always really useful when you find yourself getting stuck to just actually pull back and go, actually, what is this all about? Why am I doing this? Yeah, that's cool. And I think those high-level check-ins, you know, is this good for others? Am I doing it for the right reason? You know, am I feeling good about this product, this service, this idea? If the answer is yes, then we can then start to come down and go, well, why are people saying no? Why aren't people getting it? And then it might be, is it the product? Well, no, we feel the product's really good. Is it the pitch? Is it the audience? Because that could be the other thing. You just Maybe you're just talking to the wrong people. I know when we started this podcast, we thought we were creating this podcast for people that were getting close to 50 like us who were thinking, do we want to be doing this for another 20 years or do we want to change it up? And then all of a sudden, all these younger people in their 20s started reaching out going, this is amazing. We love this content. We're learning heaps of stuff. We're like, ah, I hadn't even thought of creating the podcast for them, and yet here it is resonating with a, a generation that we weren't specifically trying to target. You remember Seth Godin, the marketing guru? Who I wrote do. Purple Cow. And he wrote a book called The Dip, and basically it was talking about any time you try and put something else out into the world, you go through a cycle and you dip down a deep sort of well. It's hard. And the trick is to know when are you going to come out the other side? And I read the book several times and I still can't work out what the point of the book is because I think (laughs) what he was saying is sometimes, and this is my paraphrasing, sometimes it's really important to persevere and keep going. Sometimes it's important to give up. Hopefully you'll learn to know the difference. And that was kind of it. I'm like, I'm reading the book because I want to know how I can tell if my ideas got legs. I want to know when the time's 
is to quit. I don't think there's any right answer to that. At some point, there is merit in saying enough. Yeah. This is not the idea for me. In a relationship, enough. We have done everything we can to make this work. In a job, enough. Mm. It's time. You know, there's no dishonor in quitting. Quitting bad relationships, quitting terrible jobs, quitting friendships that don't serve us, uh, quitting uh, hobbies that actually have taken over our lives, quitting addiction. There's lots of upside of quitting. Quitting is not always bad. Yeah. The trick is just to try and work out when. And I think, you know, our main message is people give up way too soon and we treat failure as being a terrible thing as opposed to just a bit more information that can help us improve. Yeah, absolutely. So it, even just that simple filter that just goes, if you are about to quit, why and have you given it your all and what's the evidence that things haven't been working? Could you adjust it? Could you tweak it? And if you're feeling like you've done all of that, then it might be time, like you said, to just give up and try something new and come back with a different thing or a different approach. And if you are that teacher, you just need to stop shutting on those kids. Because <laughs> that... Hey, teacher, leave those kids alone. I've started Pilates. <gasps> like proper Pilates. On a reformer? On a reformer. You go, it's girl. amazing. Why did no one tell me about this? Well... Maybe you just weren't prepared to listen because when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure the Pilates studios are everywhere. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I don't think I've really turned my mind to it too much. But the reason it works for me as exercise, and have you, I mean, have you done Reformer Pilates? I have experienced the Reformer Pilates, yes. Okay. So if someone had told me much earlier that I lie down to exercise, <laughs> I would have been there. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, so I don't have to carry my own body weight through all of this. This is amazing. And then I did this thing where I had to put my legs in the air and make big circles. And it felt, I don't know, almost you know, kinky. I'm like, this is like two for the price of one. I'm in straps. I got my legs going places. You won't recognize me next time you see me. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. You'll be able to punch me in the tummy and I won't even feel it. <laughs> Can you just imagine that's rocking into coffee culture. Hey, Sash. Bang. <laughs> next minute, I'm being hauled away in a cop car. Not today, Chuck Norris. Not today. <laughs> You know, a while ago we asked who's out there around the world, tell us where you live and where you come from, what's happening in your part of the world. Well, we are super excited to be bringing to you Matt Thraxton. So Matt is a friend of ours who uh, is an English guy who lives, he's English, isn't he? Yes, English. Pie eating, beer drinking English. There we go. Yeah, so Matty is uh, English, a dear friend of ours, and he lives in Shanghai. So he's going to give us this really cool perspective and we're going to look forward to hearing that next week so look out for that young lovers young lovers